So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at yourself. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts, the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. There will be references to suicide in today's episode, which may be a difficult topic for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling with or at risk for suicidal ideation, you can get help by calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is available 24 hours a day in English and in Spanish, 1-800-273-8255. Welcome! Today we are so excited to be covering a widely popular and beloved and award-winning show, Apple Plus's Ted Lasso. This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. Or tie. Right, y'all do ties here. You see that? He must be from England, yeah. Wales, that another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. What you're doing is irresponsible. This club actually means something to this town. You don't think I see that every day out there on the streets? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change. Champagne! Being brave. You got no fear of the other dog. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. No, thank you. Welcome to England. I am really excited that we are covering this TV show. Um, As you all may or may not know, it is difficult to cover TV shows just because there's so much content. So much. Um, But we... We figured we could not avoid covering this show any longer um, after on the coattails of season two um, wrapping up this past fall. Um, there was so much therapy and psychology content to cover. So we are super excited to be bringing you all that episode today. Yes. And for context, if you have not heard of or seen Ted Lasso, it is about Ted Lasso, <laughs> um, an American college football coach who is played by Jason Sudeikis after he's recruited to coach an English Premier League soccer team called AFC Richmond. So he travels across the pond and takes the job, even though he has no experience coaching soccer whatsoever. In the first season of Ted Lasso, we learn that the team's owner, Rebecca Welton, played by Hannah Waddingham, hired Ted Lasso hoping that he would actually be a horrible coach and fail because she's trying to get revenge against her unfaithful ex-husband and the team's previous owner. However, Ted, with his, you know, charisma and humor and just general likability, wins Rebecca over as well as everyone else after being a good coach. 
However, the team is relegated down from the Premier League at the end of the season. So despite his best efforts and despite everyone kind of coming together and love him, the team does get kind of knocked down to the second tier league. I think that's how soccer works. (laughs) At least British soccer. (laughs) Um, We will actually mostly be discussing season two today um, because in season two, the team starts struggling to adjust to this new lower status, like Dr. Sam mentioned, and they're trying to break a losing streak that they've been on. Um, The team ends up experiencing various stressors and ends up hiring a sports psychologist named Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, played by Sarah Niles. Um, So Dr. Sharon tries to help the players and Ted through these transitions and difficulties, which is mostly what we'll be talking about today. Yes. In fact, the introduction of Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, or as we'll call her Dr. Sharon like they do in the show, um, as a sports psychologist is really exciting because it allows us to talk about a new topic, which we have yet to cover. Um, And also because Ted Lasso is such a popular and cool TV show, sports psychology. Yeah, and I think this is a super unique opportunity to talk about sports psychology because it's one of the only, like, clear, distinct, like, subsets of psychology, subfields of psychology. Like, you can get your own degree in this or, like, a specialty degree. Um, And it's not something that we have a lot of opportunities to discuss. And to be clear, Dr. Sam and I are not sports psychologists. We do not have this specialty training or this emphasis area, but we will be sharing um, from a general psychology lens what this field might look like and how it is represented in the TV show. Yes, and interestingly with Dr. Sharon, we do get um, kind of examples of both her and her capacity as a sports psychologist. And as we'll talk about a little bit, though, she does start to engage in therapy with Ted as the coach. And this kind of starts to feel a little bit more of like kind of more traditional, like one-on-one therapy that we more often talk about. So really exciting opportunity to talk about Ted Lasso, to talk about sports psychology. um, And we'll have a couple of examples and kind of go through. But to start off, you know, as Dr. Fran mentioned, it is a subfield or a specialization in psychology that some people maybe sometimes feel like they have a general sense of because the name is a little bit more explanatory than others. Like when we talked about health psychology, for example, sports psychology, right? The field or the topic is kind of in the name. But let's dive a little bit deeper, starting off with what exactly is sports psychology? Yeah, so you could definitely find different definitions on this, but most broadly, um, essentially the field of sports psychology uses our psychological understanding and knowledge and framework to address optimal performance and well-being of athletes in particular. Um, And this is important because it's not necessarily just top-level athletes like we see in Ted Lasso of like being in a premier league. Oftentimes, that's the most often that we'll hear about sports psychology, but this could also be at a, you know, much more junior level like a high school athlete or um, someone training for a race or just different things like that. And across these different you know, kind of realms of sports psychology or the different levels, we can see that it can help with cognitive and behavioral skills training for performance enhancement. So what this might look like, um, you've heard Dr. Fran and I talk about cognitive or behavioral skills in the past, but kind of thinking or analyzing or kind of changing the way that you think about things or the behaviors and actions that you engage in. And so for sports psychology, this might be helping with goal setting. Um, So kind of making... um, plans about the performance or concentrating on certain tasks that you want to use to to reach those particular goals. It might help with the development of self-confidence or self-esteem in that person's sport or in their, you know, in that person's sport. And I think the important distinction here is that we're using a lot of the same skills in both general psychology and sports psychology. However, the application of it might be slightly different. And in sports psychology, we're seeing that part of the overarching goal is to 
enhance performance or to optimize performance in a specific area related to that athlete's sport of choice. Um, so we might be using the same skills, but applying them in a slightly different manner. Um, so similarly, we might see traditional like counseling or clinical interventions, like meeting one-on-one -on -one with a therapist, talking about like motivation, um, eating disorders or weight management might be something that's particularly prevalent among um, the clients that sports psychologists work with. It could also be, you know, overtraining and burnout, um, but also just general things that athletes deal with just like the rest of the population. So difficulties with depression or grief or loss, um, getting injured or coming back from a medical condition, um, dealing with interpersonal difficulties, career transitions, identity, um, all these different pieces that anyone could have to deal with. Exactly. As Dr. Fran mentioned, athletes are not existing in a vacuum. They are humans. And so even though sports psychology might really be emphasized on perform like enhancing their performance or allowing them to be the best athlete that they can be, what this really means is still being able to process, cope, manage other things that are going on with their lives. And that might be, you know, um, maybe social anxiety. It's difficult to interact with their teammates, maybe depression, whatever the case may be, kind of really helping them to identify and help out with those goals as well. Um, sports psychologists can also work with individuals um, as a whole team or as a whole organization as opposed to just the one-on-one -on -one basis. And so this can look like consultation and training. So team building exercises or, you know, helping to consult with the organization so that the organization can better help the needs of their athletes. Um, and this can really, again, be on all levels. So it can help with like parents or families that are involved in youth sports, um, the coaches that are involved in the sports, and then kind of the coaches and teams and organizations. So this is more at that kind of holistic lens, not just the one-on-one, -on -one, but sports psychologists can be very involved in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we see um, that a little bit portrayed in Ted Lasso of these different kind of levels of intervention that Dr. Sharon is participating in. Um, so we definitely see her in this consultant role that she essentially gets hired by the team to help the whole team, not just individuals. Um, but then we also see her interact one-on-one -on -one with different team members or different coaches. Um, so we're kind of seeing her play both roles of this like consultant, but also um, like that individual therapist using some of these skills potentially. And one of the main, I guess we can call it precipitating factors that leads the team to call on Dr. Sharon or to, you know, um, use her services is that one of the star players, Danny Rojas, he starts experiencing what they call the quote unquote yips. Um, and this happens actually. Don't say it, Dr. Sam. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, all the athletes out there. Hey, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Which is why I wrote it down. The yips. Shh. What are the yips? Shh. Are you kidding me, you two? We don't say the Y word out loud, you understand? It's like saying Macbeth in a theater or Voldemort at Hogwarts or uh, soccer in England. Bingo. But what? Oh, it's when just out of nowhere, an athlete suddenly can't do the basic fundamentals of their sport. But this is actually very tragic because what happens to Danny is that he accidentally kills the team mascot, Earl Greyhound, um, during a penalty kick. So he, it's like a high-stake game, he's going to kick the penalty, and the dog sees a pigeon, like, fly across the field. So the dog gets free somehow, tries to catch the pigeon, and Danny's penalty kick strikes and kills the dog. And so... Danny takes this to be a really bad omen. He is very distraught after this event. We see him crying in the shower. You know, it's a real, like, tragedy and tra 
a stressful event for him. Um, and it really kind of starts to shift the way that he thinks about himself and about soccer or football, which he loves. He goes from saying football is life. He's very like happy-go-lucky, cheerful character. And after this incident, he actually starts saying football is death. Football is death! And he starts just being more forlorn. He's very sad, kind of despondent. So they know that something is wrong and they're really trying to get him help. Um, and on top of the changes kind of in his mood, we also see that he has changes in his soccer abilities, or as I mentioned, the Y word before that Dr. Franz and not to say. Are you kidding me, you two? Well, and in all seriousness, um, I actually found this super interesting because I thought yeah. this was kind of made up for the yeah. show, but the Yips is actually a yes. real thing. Um, that is, I know it goes by different names um, across different like cultures or different sports, sports. Um, but generally is a phenomenon, a real documented condition, which Dr. Sharon actually mentions that like, no, this is a real thing that we know happens um, that can be observed in pro athletes across numerous sports, not just um, football or soccer. You're exactly right, Dr. Fran. It is a real condition. And I feel like this makes a lot of sense when you think about the way that our body and minds are connected, right? So a lot of times people might think like the mind is separate from the body. But I always like to tell people like, well, the brain and your mind are actually still a part of the body and they do interact. And so what the yips is in this condition is really when there is some type of mental shift. So sometimes it can be like anxiety or worries or fear um, that can make someone who was performing really well at their sport or their craft. Um, they start to have difficulty executing even the most basic of motor skills. So we do see this with Danny. Danny used to be the star kicker. He was making all of the penalty goals. And now anytime he goes to kick at the goal it's going like really high to the right to the left he's really unable to kind of do something that he was really good at before uh, and in part because now he has this like fear or worry about what might happen when he kicks the ball or you know about how he unfortunately killed the little mascot greyhound yeah, I think that's a really good explanation, Dr. Sam, of just thinking about like what is the like psychological or even biological underpinnings of what we colloquially might call the yips or like caused by some of these other names, but that the, it makes a lot of sense in context. Um, and so Dr. Sharon is called mostly to help Danny, um, and then we'll get into how she ends up staying and helping other people as well, uh, but essentially to try to cure or help Danny with the yips. And interestingly, if you've ever played a sport, I think we all have maybe experienced this. So I am an avid tennis player, um, and you kind of can start to notice, like, when you play a sport for so long, the motions do become very automatic. You're not thinking about, like, how to do your stroke, how to move your feet. Um, and when the quote-unquote yips come into play, there's something going on internally in your mind that kind of shifts the focus or distracts you. And so you start to notice that you're actually really focused on your stroke or the way you're holding your racket and that actually takes away from your movement um, impacting the way that you're performing and what I loved about this episode and how they highlighted in Ted Lasso is this is something we've actually been seeing in real life in the media so an example of this and as you know we don't really talk about real people and their psychological conditions or give our opinion in that way however this is just kind of objectively from the news during the Tokyo Olympic Games Simone Biles actually described experiencing the twisties and so the twisties is the gymnastic version of the yips, but basically occurs when gymnasts start to lose control of their bodies as they're spinning through the air. Um, and so they can kind of move or twist in a way that they're not supposed to or that they didn't plan, which can be very dangerous, as you can imagine, when you're like jumping and flying through the air. Um, and so this 
the way that they describe it as well in gymnastics is that that instinct or like kind of the ability that they had to twist and know how to move their body in space becomes interrupted. Um, and they start to really think about like different worry thoughts and things like that that are difficult to escape and impact their ability to perform their gymnastic task. And so Simone Biles described experiencing this and she described like how kind of scary it can be and how detrimental it can be. Um, and she did remove herself from the Tokyo Olympic Games related to, I think as she had put it, just like kind of focusing on her mental health more broadly as well. But I think that this is a way in which what we see on TV, like something in Ted Lasso, can really be reflective in modern and real everyday life. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up those real world examples, Dr. Sam, because you're right, we are hearing about this more and more in the media of just athletes being more open about talking about their mental health. And I really appreciate that Ted Lasso and the writers and the producers ended up trying to draw attention to that as well in this more like fictional capacity, but just trying to maybe break this assumption that we have that like athletes are at the top of their game and like, you know, they're like these high level athletes that like don't have issues and nothing bad is happening for them, but that they are regular people and deal with um, some of the same psychological difficulties that anyone else can deal with. And maybe even more in some of these contexts, because there is this ridiculously high level of pressure to perform consistently and very well. So I appreciate that this show ends up bringing some attention to that throughout season two. Very high pressure. And you are right. We're seeing this talked about a lot more. I think mental health generally, but specifically in sports and in professional sports. And I really, and I know we both do, we really like respect and commend athletes who are coming forward and talking about it. Because another thing that we see in Ted Lasso is that certain characters, and we'll dive a little bit more into this, but certain characters are more hesitant, right? Like they don't believe in therapy or talking about their feelings or kind of being more forthcoming about mental health. And that can make it harder for others to do the same. So the more we see this um, kind of being normalized, the easier it is for people to talk about, the easier it is for people to get help that want help. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And as Dr. Sam was alluding to, there is one person in particular who has some hesitations about bringing a psychologist in. We get a tiny inkling that Ted Lasso, surprisingly, right? Like he's got this very like positive, open, excited attitude most of the time. But you get this inkling when Mr. Higgins brings up that they should hire a sports psychologist. Ted's kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. He ends up agreeing and they bring in Dr. Sharon. But you can sense even early on that there's some hesitation there. Ted, what are your thoughts on therapy? Uh, General apprehension and a modest Midwestern skepticism. Why do you ask? Well, maybe we should bring in a sports psychologist. I know a lot of other clubs have had Tremendous success with that. Hmm. It's not a bad idea, Coach. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me think here. Let me get my thinking thing on. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. And in typical Ted fashion, when he first meets Dr. Sharon, he kind of tries to, like, you know, he's, like, being his jovial self, but he's making a lot of jokes about it. And we just see... Right off the bat, um, Dr. Sharon really isn't amused by it. She is presenting as very professional, which I agree with, right? It's her first time meeting the coaches and the staff that she's going to be working with. So she's presenting herself as very professional, trying to explain in what capacity she can, you know, assist, especially with Danny. Um, And they're all kind of like, I think like, you know, Ted and the group, they tend to kind of just come across as a little bit flippant because they are just like making light of it. And Dr. Sharon recognizes that this is a serious matter. Um, I just wanted to introduce you to Dr. Sharon Fieldstone. She's going to be looking after Danny. This is Nathan, Coach Beard and Ted Lasso. Oh, you don't need to stand. But it makes it a lot easier to do this. 
It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Consider this song our way to greet you. So I understand that Danny has developed a case of the yips. Yay! Okay, that's two weird things in a row. What's going on? Well, Doc, we don't like using that word around here. Why? Um, I don't know. Why y'all looking at me? He's the one who knows everything. Okay, all right. Um, well, Doc. Doctor. Right, yes, of course, sorry. Um, doctor. Um, it's a superstition. I see. Well, the yips <laughs> are not a superstition. They are a mental condition, one that can be fixed with discipline, not denial. Yeah, I agree. It's a very interesting first interaction, and I think we see a really big mismatch, maybe, or difference between how Dr. Sharon interacts in this professional context and how Ted interacts in this professional context. And he's making a lot of jokes and trying to, like, get along with her in that way, and she's kind of shutting it down or not responding to it in the way that he wants. Um, Something else she does in this first interaction is she presents herself very confidently. Um, She essentially describes, like, how good she is at her job and kind of does this flip on Ted of like, do you think you're good at your job? And like, I'm two times better than that. So then you're pretty confident that you can help us out with Danny, huh? Are you good at your job? Don't worry about them. Put all bullshit humility aside and be honest with me. Are you good at your job? Yes or no? Um, yes. I believe you. Well, as good as you are at your job, I'm twice as good at mine. Which I think is a very interesting and it made me think of I wonder how it feels for this person coming from like a profession who is oftentimes maybe like has some hesitancy or some stigma against coming into this setting. She's also one of the only women in this setting of like, I wonder how much that is playing into her wanting to like really present herself in this very like confident of like, I know what I'm doing and like, I'm very good at my job. I think that's an excellent point, and it's something that actually, like, comes up throughout the season where Dr. Sharon is, you know, kind of, um, well, she presents as confident most of the time. I almost said always. She presents as confident almost all the time throughout the season, and there are several times where she expresses how good she is at what she does. Um, And I do think a lot of times people are looking for that, especially in healthcare professionals, including, you know, like therapists, they are looking for an expert, right? Someone who is good at what they do, that can help solve the problem or help, you know, um, give them the support that they need. So I think that that level of confidence is often warranted as long as it's not overconfident. Um, But we're definitely seeing that mismatch here with Ted, right? Because Ted, um, he really at least presents as more like humble in a way and kind of more silly in a way. And so right off the right out of the gate at that initial interaction, we're kind of seeing this mismatch and we'll continue to discuss how it plays out. But very interesting dynamic. Yeah, and there seems to almost be, I don't know if it's a power dynamic or Mm. if it's just like this suspicion from Ted, but he wants to be like very involved in her her interactions. So um, as she came to see Danny, her and Danny end up having a session. Ted like is like, do you want me to stay to like help you build a relationship? She's like, nope, I got it. And kind of shuts the door in his face. Um, And he can tell he just is very uncomfortable or he like really wants to be involved. And I don't think it's because he's like enthralled with Dr. Sharon and like wants to spend time with her. I think there's this (laughs) sense of control or like it's hard to explain but he wants to kind of have more of a hand in what's going on 
he definitely wants to be involved and be in the know. And I think that's like his character about a lot of the things. And then about his players, I think you're right. He seems a little bit protective. He wants to be involved. Or he also thinks like, well, you're just coming in. You're the stranger. Like, let me help you here. But Dr. Sharon, very competent. She right away takes Danny in and then starts speaking to him in Spanish. And we see it's kind of interesting because initially Dr. Sharon and Ted seem to have a hard time relating to each other. Um, But Sharon seems to be relating very well to the players that come and see her in the one-on-one capacity. Mm -hmm. And even with Danny, he is, quote-unquote, cured. You know, his, like, trauma and stressors and love of football are all returned after the very initial session with Dr. Sharon. Good night, coaches. And thank you for Dr. Sharon. She's incredible. So she's really kind of striking a chord, doing well with the players. And it's kind of like almost Ted is, like, unsure or questioning or curious, you know, about, like, what's going on. (laughs) But hold on a second. Um... I'm just curious, what did she, um, I mean, what ended up helping you? Yeah, and then, of course, he's excited that Danny is performing better and that yes. he's back to his old self. And I think there's a piece of him that's excited that, okay, that means Dr. Sharon can leave, that this yeah. like uneasiness <laughs> that she is bringing, he's excited that she's, okay, she's done her job, she can go now. And then he realizes that other players have seen the impact that she had on Danny and are basically lining up to have sessions with her. Hey, Higgins, Doc's still here? Oh, wait, Ted, she's in a session. A session? With whom? A few of the boys asked to sit down with Dr. Fieldston before she left. I I don't see the harm, right? No, that's great. Yeah. Like we said, the yips is one thing that an athlete might be dealing with, but there are hosts of other things that could be going on with an athlete that they could use additional services or um, support with. So it makes sense that these, you know, other uh, teammates are seeing the impact that Dr. Sharon had on Danny and are like, oh, I'll have a session too and just see if I can work on some of these other things. And I almost wonder if like, you know, in Ted's mind, the just the character and the vibe I get watching is, like, I almost wonder, too, like, if he is curious or worried that they're, like, talking about him or him as a coach or, like, the mm. things that he does. Because at one point, Dr. Sharon even asked, like, oh, I'm going to, like, sit in on practice. And he kind of, you can tell, is taken aback. But it's like, oh, yeah, like, you have behind the curtain, like, full access. Like, you can join and watch and do whatever. But you can tell that he's not really comfortable with that. Um, and anytime the players are meeting with Dr. Sharon, he's always asking them, like, how it went and what they talked about. So I wonder if he almost feels like it could be, even though, you know, in therapy, we try to be very non-judgmental. I could see how as a coach, maybe he feels like, oh, is this doctor here to judge me and like the way I'm treating my players and the, what, the way I'm supporting my players? And he seems a little bit worried about that. Yeah, definitely a lot of suspicion towards Dr. Sharon and like, maybe <laughs> her motives or what's going on. I will say you mentioned the observation of training, and I think that's an important piece to highlight because it's maybe something unique to sports psychology. Yeah. Um, so I actually do know a few people who specialize in the sports psychology field and have done the same thing where they like actually go to the trainings, they go to the practices, they go to the games. Um, and that might be pretty different than how someone interacts with a typical one-on-one therapy client. We're not usually going to important events in their lives or like going with them to do things in their daily lives, unless it's like a very specific therapeutic goal. Um, But that might be different, especially in this consultation role where Dr. Sharon actually wants to be seeing like, how are the team dynamics? Like how are these people performing um, in different ways or interacting? How are the coaches interacting? So she's wanting to take this more holistic approach. So it makes perfect sense that she's kind of there all the time, that she has this open door policy. It seems where people can kind of come in or out without having a scheduled appointment. um, And, that she's like really there to observe like the whole team dynamics not just like this one-on-one session time 
Speaking of dynamics, we keep alluding to the way like Sharon and Ted specifically interact. I think we can listen to one of their first interactions just to give some context as we dive a little bit more into Ted's specific therapy with Sharon. Ted Lasso welcome wagon has arrived. Please don't barge in here like that. I could have been in a session. Oh, right, of course. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> can I help you with something? Well, yeah. No, I, I just brought you a little something, something for your first day of work. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, come on now. Just try a little bite, huh? There you go. <laughs> That's very thoughtful, Coach Lasso. But I don't eat sugar. Really? Wow. I've never met someone who doesn't eat sugar. Only heard about them. And they all live in this godless place called Santa Monica. <laughs> Trust me, it's in everyone's best interest. In a past life, I would inhale a Cadbury's flake, talk nonsense for an hour until I pass out. Well, I'm the same way with video games. How so? Oh, you know, it's just something in my life that I really enjoy. But then I pretend to prevent myself from having them and somehow making my life better. But in reality, all I'm doing is depriving myself of something that makes me happy instead of attempting to adjust my relationship to it. Hey, what's your favorite book? This is interesting. What is? And my answer is The Fountainhead? I know, curveball, right? But I can explain. No, what you're doing here. This is obviously your way of connecting with new people. Makes sense. It's very disarming. If it's okay with you, Coach Lasso, I'd like to observe training today, see how everything's functioning. But yeah, no, of course. Yeah, you got a backstage pass, full access. Thank you. Oh, hey, you know what I... I like this clip because I think it shows us not only is Ted suspicious of Dr. Sharon, but she seems a bit suspicious of Ted and his yeah. motives, or at least like how he's trying to connect. And she even calls him out and says it's very disarming. Just very different than how anyone else interacts with Ted in this show. One of the things that struck me, too, is, you know, Ted is coming in just to welcome her. And she's being polite. Like, she thanks him for the biscuits or the cookies that he's made for her. She says it's very thoughtful. But I agree. When she kind of calls him out, he's just trying to converse with her. Like, let's get to know each other a little bit. She really does kind of just call him out and identify, like, what he's doing. And it's true. Like, this is probably a tactic that Ted does use because he is very friendly and likes to talk to people. And I think he genuinely is interested in learning about others. But what's interesting is she just calls out that strategy like, oh, this is how you communicate with people. I see how it works because you're very disarming. And what I find curious about that is like, you know, if like putting on our therapist hat almost like when we're analyzing people, like what is the function of that behavior? Like what is Dr. Sharon trying to get at um, by calling him out as opposed to like this is our first interaction. Let me just converse with him and kind of figure him out that way. So I did find it a little bit interesting. And she goes on to critique his, like, communication and interaction style and then pivots to saying she wants to watch him with the team. So I could see why, like, you know, Ted is maybe getting a little bit uh, guarded. So I do think it's an interesting strategy from Dr. Sharon here. She uses a lot of really great techniques we'll continue to talk about. But I did find this scene a little surprising. Like, I wonder why she, like, calls him out that way as opposed to just conversing with him. I would agree, especially in this context where he is acting as like the coach and she's more in that consultant role. Like they haven't transitioned into that like therapeutic relationship yet. Sure. And that's almost more of like a therapeutic reflection that she gives him mm -hmm. when maybe that's not really her role at this point um, to be providing this like reflection and this insight into like how he's interacting with others. Maybe that's something she wants to file away and yes. can give him that feedback later. Uh, but it, I agree. It's kind of like this awkward, like why now? Like what function is this serving um, in helping the team or in helping like in her role as a consultant or a sports psychologist? 
Well, spoiler alert, Ted does go on to eventually shift, though, to seeing Dr. Sharon in a more individual capacity. However, it's not the most um, smooth road, I guess we could say. So as Dr. Fran mentioned, Ted is a typically very positive, very bubbly. He kind of has a can-do attitude, can overcome every obstacle kind of mentality. Um, But we do start to see and have seen a couple of things or a couple of instances where Ted seems to be struggling a bit more. So, you know, as we know, he recently divorced from his wife. Um, There is building pressure. The team was, um, you know, demoted to the other league. So things can be stressful for Ted at times, even though he doesn't always show it. Our first kind of clue that Ted might benefit from working with Dr. Sharon comes after he has a panic attack at a really big game. Coach? You okay? Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I gotta go. My stomach. Yeah, so this is after Dr. Sharon has already started working with the team, um, but it's at this very big match, and Ted ends up having what appears to be a panic attack during um, the middle of the game, and he ends up leaving the game. Um, ends up kind of showing up in Dr. Sharon's office that night. But I think it's important to note, this isn't the first time we've seen Ted have an episode like this, actually towards the end of season one, after like Dr. Sam alluded to, he gets issued the divorce papers from his wife. Ted also has a panic attack. And we can kind of see like from his perspective, kind of like we typically see panic attacks portrayed in movies where like the world seems to be kind of closing in around him. He's having trouble breathing. He even says that first time that he feels like he's going crazy, like he's sweating. You can imagine his heart rate's probably increased. So He's having these, I wouldn't say seemingly random, like they seem to be associated with stressful life events for him, Um, panic attacks that seem to be really distressing to him. And this one that happens during the game causing him to actually leave in the middle is what finally precipitates him to show up in Dr. Sharon's office after the game at night. Ted, you scared me. Are you okay? I want to make an appointment. And I think... What Dr. Fran is describing and what we see with Ted a lot is the use of avoidance. And so what we know is like if something is uncomfortable or scary or doesn't make us feel good, one of our first inclinations might be to stay away from it, to avoid it, because that feels better than the discomfort. However, the more you kind of avoid something, that discomfort actually grows as opposed to getting better. So, you know, it's something that we think can help, but it doesn't really help us in the long run. And I think that really describes Ted. You know, really unpleasant emotions, unpleasant memories, things he doesn't want to deal with, he really takes kind of that avoidance strategy, right? So, um, and we can see this a lot with panic um, or panic attack-like symptoms, which we've talked about in the past. They are very uncomfortable. They can be very scary. So as soon as those symptoms start to come on, he leaves the game. Um, And then after he asks Dr. Sharon for her help and they schedule the first session, You know, Ted shows up, but he's obviously very uncomfortable. He's kind of like fidgeting around and making like awkward small talk. And then as soon as Dr. Sharon asks him a question, he gets up and leaves. So right away, we're seeing again, he's met with that discomfort, those negative emotions, which Ted does not like to feel. um, And again, he avoids. (laughs) Why don't you tell me what happened the other night? Yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah, and I feel like in season two, and maybe some people pick up on it in season one, but I feel like in season two, we really start to get that sense that Ted's demeanor and the way he presents himself is very genuine and, you know, he is very charismatic and, like, just enjoys being happy and helping people and at the same time may sometimes be covering up or be a way of avoiding or deflecting from these really difficult emotions, any difficult emotions, like just anxiety in general or stress Mm -hmm. in general. Like, everything has to be happy all of the time and that's just not realistic or reality and unfortunately it ends up presenting in this way. But fortunately, it helps him facilitate 
this relationship with Dr. Sharon that ultimately, spoiler alert, does end up helping him (laughs) greatly. And after his initial avoidance, he does come back. So I will give Ted that. You know, he is a resilient individual. And a lot of his strategies and techniques that he uses, they do benefit him in a lot of ways. It's really just when he does just like avoidance and deflection when he goes away from the negative, where sometimes you do have to face that discomfort and process and manage it in that way to grow. And that's where he has trouble, which Dr. Sharon helps him with. But, you know, to his credit, and like we mentioned, he is resilient. He does come back and he does give it another go with Dr. Sharon. And let's listen in a bit about how it goes this next time around. How long these little chats you do take? Sessions typically last 50 minutes. Mm, okay. But you charge by the hour, right? That's correct. I take it you're not a fan of this kind of work. No, ma'am. Why's that, do you think? You want the truth? I'm only interested in the truth, Ted. Hmm. Because I think it's bullshit. You don't know me. We don't have history. And yet you just expect me to spill my guts about all the gory details of my life. The fights, the mistakes, my deep, dark secrets. But you ain't listening because you care about me. No. No, you ain't listening to me because you're paid to listen to me. You're getting paid to just jot down your little notes and diagnose my tears and then what? Probably just blame it on my folks, right? I mean, you say you're only interested in the truth. And yet here you are. Charging an hourly rate for only 50 minutes of work. Like I said, it's bullshit. I really like that they added this scene in here because I think this is a very common way that people can feel about the profession of psychology, whether they've been through it or not. I mean, we learn in this scene that Ted actually went to couples therapy and it didn't work out well per him because they got divorced, right? So clearly it didn't work um, in his eyes. And so I really just appreciate that they draw attention to this common conception that people might have about like, how can you care about me? Like, you're just getting paid to do this. Like, you don't even know me. Like, why would you have any investment in like really getting to know me and understanding? And like, why should I feel um, compelled to like disclose these really deep, dark things about my life when like, like, why do you even care? It's true. I think that this happens more than people realize. And I I honestly think it's for the better that Ted expresses this. I would rather work with someone and have them have an understanding of the way that they're thinking and feeling and maybe the history that they've had with any other therapist, as opposed to going in blind when maybe they're just really like shut down or not engaging. And you don't know why. Whereas in Ted's case, He's, you know, he's putting it all out there. Like, this is how I feel about therapy. I've had negative experiences. I don't see why you would care about me. And so now Dr. Sharon, you know, I'm using a lot of sports puns today, but now the ball is in her court. You know, now she can kind of address like his hesitancy, his concerns, you know, you can kind of talk it out and actually communicate about it. Um, Ted is a bit verbally aggressive in this scene, right? Like he kind of like, he like accuses her of charging for an hour when she only works for 50 minutes and then he kind of like gets up and like slams the door so it ends not well um but we have all of the cards on the table now we know exactly what ted is thinking and feeling and dr sharon can then proceed accordingly um but i also really enjoy this scene or i really like this scene because i do think it is a pretty realistic portrayal of resistance and some of the ways people think and feel about therapy um and it allows dr sharon in the show to address it which allows other people to get you know a better sense of it and when it occurs in the therapy room allows the therapist and psychologist to address it as well 
Yeah, I think this also gives more context to Ted's hesitancy or like suspicion mm -hmm. leading up to this. We get more insight into like how he's really feeling or what his like deep concerns are about having Dr. Sharon there. Um, I also, like you said, Dr. Sam, like this is oftentimes like a resistance that we could see, but oftentimes this is something people might be feeling that goes unsaid. But yeah. like you said, at least now that Ted has been able to vocalize this to Dr. Sharon, she can work to address that or they can work to address that together as opposed to this being unsaid and then them not making progress because she doesn't actually know what's going on or why he's having such resistance. Also with Ted, we know a little bit more about him now. You know, we finished the season and we are starting to better understand that Ted uses a lot of avoidance, doesn't like discomfort. And so I think a big piece of this too is Ted does know what to expect, right? He's been in therapy before. He knows he's going to have to talk about and get into some really unpleasant stuff some feelings that don't make him you know feel particularly good and memories that are painful and difficult for him and that is a very brave and difficult first step to even do when you already know you know this isn't going to be fun and I tell people that all the time like this is going to be difficult and we are going to have to talk about things that are unpleasant at times um, and I think here we're really seeing Ted's hesitancy even more than we're seeing it like towards Dr. Sharon, I think we're seeing Ted's hesitancy in kind of getting into all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, Dr. Sam, despite his like intense avoidance, um, <laughs> he comes back again. He is resilient and he kind of chalks it up to, you know, like I don't quit things and that's why he keeps coming back. Um, but he comes back, I think in the same day, this is his third time or maybe it's a day or two later, but in a very short amount of time, he has had a, several interactions with Dr. Sharon um, and she really takes more of a directive approach in this session and really expresses to him that she's offended. She uses those words, offended by what he said about her profession. I was quite offended by what you said about my profession, that just because a therapist is being paid, they don't actually care. And like, to be fair, as we're listening to it, I'm like, yeah, that's offensive Like to <laughs> yeah. say that about our profession. I don't know if I would say that explicitly, but I think the sentiment of getting across like, here's how your words impacted me, um, or here's how your words could impact someone in that way, I think makes a lot of sense. She uses a lot of tactics here that I do agree with, you know, or, you know, I might not say it exactly the way she does, but I do agree with like her approach. I think I also like if I had been working with Ted, I would have also been pretty direct in terms of like, let's talk about the things you said last time, right? Let's talk about like, you know, the feelings that you have, or let's talk about, you know, what you said about my profession. I really like at one point, she likens it to his job. She asks him like, well, do you get paid to do your job, Ted? Like as a coach, he says, yes. She asks him, does, do you care about your players? And he says, yes. And she's like, so why can't it be the same? You're also getting paid, but you're invested. You care about the players. You care about the game. I also, yes, I do get paid, but that doesn't mean that's mutually exclusive. That doesn't mean I don't care about you. I don't care about the people I work with. I agree. I think uh, Dr. Sharon's use of almost like perspective taking in this scene is really, really skillful of like basically flipping it around and being like, let me phrase this in a way that you can understand it from your own experience and then try to put yourself in my shoes. And I think that really like strikes a chord with him. And he's like, huh. That's true. Like, that's true for me. So, like, why can't I extend that to you? So I think she does that really skillfully in this session. And she even ends up challenging him a bit and saying that she thinks he's scared. Self-care can be scary. Fight or flight is a natural response. You just happen to do both. Impressive range, really. So you think I'm scared, huh? Yes, I do. Maybe I don't want to learn the truth. Ted, the truth will set you free. 
but first it'll piss you off. I think she really hits the nail on the head and, and he agrees that, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to know the truth and he kind of admits a bit that some of this is avoidance and that he doesn't want to spend that time there. I also think that Dr. Sharon's read on Ted, right? She has been like observing, watching, interacting with him. She's obviously like kind of learning about him and he is a compassionate person. So I do think when she kind of expresses like, well, this offended me or this made me feel this way, that does resonate with Ted because I think he does care. I think he does care about Mm -hmm. how he impacts others around him. So I think like, you know, that was helpful in this instance with Ted. And then she goes on to do the perspective taking and kind of comparing it. That really resonated with Ted. And I think he's able to see like, okay, like, yes, she gets paid, but you know, she, she does, she can care about me or yet she doesn't know me yet, but she can get to know me. Um, and yes, like therapy hasn't worked for me in the past, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that it won't ever work for me. And so she really does a good job of kind of getting that buy-in and establishing a better rapport with Ted at this point, I think. Yeah, I agree. So we see potentially like a turning point in their relationship where they're able to be open with each other and maybe start to be on the same page in terms of what they're working on. I will say just like an interesting side note that I hadn't really thought of is that in her role as both like this consultant, but also now Ted's individual therapist, she has a lot more insight than a typical therapist would have in that one-on-one relationship because she's consulting in his place of work. So she's seeing him in real time, interact with others. She's seeing him at work. She's seeing like him interpersonally. She's kind of getting more insight than we would normally get. I know Dr. Sam and I are kind of like broken records with saying like, you know, we can't diagnose someone based on this like small snippet, um, but she has this much larger snippet True. of Ted than a traditional therapist might have. So I just think that's an interesting point. And I don't know the answer to this question, Dr. Fran. This is something I will look up, but I'm not sure if you do. So Is this typical? Because, you know, we've talked about like dual relationships and obviously with a sports psychologist, that is different because they are working within the team with the players. But would it be typical for them to also see like the coach and the individual players for these kind of one-on-one sessions in this capacity? I have no idea. Okay. So, you know, I, I didn't really think about it in that sense until you brought up that point and I started thinking about it in a different way. So that's something that we can maybe look into and discuss again at a later date or, you know, kind of get some clarity around because I'm, I, I am curious, like if the way they portray it in Ted Lasso is the way a sports psychologist would typically function. And especially because this is in another country. So that's another piece that, um, that there may also be differences, not only in the sports psychology discipline, but also in different countries that might have different expectations and ethics around dual relationships. Very true. And just, you know, there are always nuances. And of course, TV is always going to be different from reality. But that's why as we started talking about more and more what she does, I was like, hmm. (laughs) Um, But something. Yeah, there are a lot of questions of just because it is so different than traditional therapy that we have talked about. And like we mentioned at the beginning, Dr. Sam and I are not sports psychologists and, you know, don't have that experience. So we can't speak to exactly how this might look in the real world. One of the things that Dr. Sharon does do that we do see other therapists also do in real life or, you know, that could be expected or definitely does happen and I am familiar with is that in one episode, we see that she is actually talking on the phone with her own therapist. And she's talking about how like some of the work she's doing now is kind of helping her identify um, and realize that she has some trouble being vulnerable or kind of um, addressing her own vulnerabilities. Um, And this is something that, you know, can be recommended or can be typical for other therapists or psychologists to have someone to talk about, you know, 
their own lives and their own stressors and things, you know, to make sure that they can work in their optimal capacity as well. Hi, Bridget. Sorry I'm late. Come on, you know, the only thing better than a patient being late is one that doesn't turn up at all. <laughs> yeah, and I think this scene is really interesting because it, it actually starts off the episode fully focused on Dr. Sharon, who almost has like a main character, whereas in the past she's been kind of this side character, but she comes more into full focus. And part of what she's talking to her own therapist about is her difficulties working with Ted. He refuses to open up. And when he gets anywhere close to being vulnerable, he fires off a zinger, some obscure reference to something very specific to a 40-year-old white man from middle America. And the therapist actually links them and says, like, I think you're, sounds familiar. Like, I think that sounds (laughs) a lot like you. And like Dr. Sam alluded to earlier, they're potentially presenting as differently to the world, but to protect themselves from the same fear Mm -hmm. of vulnerability. So he's refusing to be vulnerable, right? Sounds like someone I know. Stop it. Me and Coach Lasso are nothing alike. Sharon, you do the same thing. He uses humor to deflect. You use your intelligence. Please, I do not harness my Cervantage nature to alienate people and isolate myself. Okay, I hear that. So Ted's might come off as like this overly positive, like overly happy, like can't ever feel negative feelings ever. And Dr. Sharon may come off more as like this very like professional, very boundaried, um, like someone who doesn't really have a lot of fun, doesn't smile a lot, but potentially two different presentations of the same goal to try to protect themselves from being vulnerable with others. That's a great point. I think you're right. Like we can kind of see they're similar in that way, but how they can present two very different ways for these individuals. I, I really like that. So then in Ted and Dr. Sharon's relationship, it takes a bit of an interesting um, path because Dr. Sharon ends up getting into a bicycle accident. And so I believe she has a concussion. And so they require someone come to the hospital and help her so that she can be discharged. And lo and behold, but who is the person that comes to help her and take her home but Ted? So another weird wrinkle in kind of this relationship, you know, they're working together as the sports psychologist. She's consulting. She's working with the players. Now she's kind of doing one-on-one therapy with him. And now he's like her emergency contact at the hospital. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. It makes me think a little bit of our 50-50 episode where the therapist ends up driving um, him home from the hospital. And so it just reminds me a little bit of just the kind of this interesting, like, there's nothing in the ethics codes that says, like, do not yeah. drive your patient home from the hospital or do not drive your therapist home from the hospital. But it just creates these, like, interesting, like, boundaries or the, the boundaries end up naturally having to change because of that. So Ted takes her home. He then is now in her apartment. He's learning things about her that maybe she otherwise wouldn't naturally disclose in a therapeutic way in their relationship. Like he's seeing wine glasses or, you know, yeah. alcohol <laughs> bottles and just like learning more about her than maybe she would normally feel comfortable disclosing because it's not necessarily helpful to the therapeutic relationship per se. What it does seem to do is help Ted and Dr. Sharon potentially just form a better relationship and maybe not necessarily like a therapeutic relationship, though it does seem to translate to that later, but just a like more of a friendship or a closeness or this like professional relationship. They seem to get closer because she has to rely on him and he ends up learning a bit more about her life. 
interestingly, Dr. Sharon is, like, against this, right? Initially, like, she's like, oh, no, like, why is Ted here? Like, Ted doesn't have to take me home, but he does. Um, So she's hesitant for him to see her out of that kind of therapeutic capacity, understandably. Um, But then, interestingly for Ted, it's like this kind of helps to bridge that gap of, like, I think he's able to see Dr. Sharon as being more vulnerable, right? Like, she was injured. She needs help. Um, They kind of start to chat about their, like, past and histories, a little bit about their lives on the way home. So for Ted, this kind of helps to, like, disarm him. And I think he's able to kind of feel more positively about the relationship with Dr. Sharon. And kind of like we have seen again and again and again in the cinematic universe, there's always, like, something, some kind of relationship building that happens. It's not always the most appropriate relationship building between a therapist and their patient, but it leads to a big breakthrough. We saw it in Sixth Sense most recently on that session. (laughs) Yeah, or I'm thinking like Goodwill Hunting. Like, there's just so many examples of that. So yeah, um, that like there's this initial resistance, and then it it takes the person really opening up and like being vulnerable and disclosing, or like being a real person. Um, that's not always required to still have a important moment in therapy. Uh, but Ted's ends up coming in this very touching, very heartbreaking way. Um, kind of juxtaposed with. Um, Rebecca's loss of her father that really brings up some memories for Ted about the loss of his father. And he ends up having a panic attack before going to Rebecca's father's funeral and ends up going to Dr. Sharon's house unannounced um, or like unexpected. Like it wasn't like a scheduled session, which again, like there's maybe some questionable ethics going on there of just like not an ideal setting. Um, But he ends up going over there and really disclosing um, some of what's been going on for him that he's been avoiding. And so, you know, I will say in a couple of points you just touched on, Dr. Fran, like one, I have had meaningful moments in therapy and I have never had a patient pick me up from the hospital and or, you know, (laughs) told a patient about my tumultuous love life. You know, it does happen. Two, again, we're seeing like now with Ted, he feels better about his relationship with Dr. Sharon, but that leads to some questionable boundaries, right? Like he's upset and he wants that support, but instead of scheduling a session or seeing her in a more, you know, um, maybe appropriate professional setting, he just shows up. But what we do learn and what Ted does share is that he lost his father at the age of 16. His father died by suicide. Um, And so this is something that it seems like Ted has not really shared with others. He does not really try to think about or talk about a lot because it's very upsetting, understandably, for him. Um, And immediately, you know, like Dr. Sharon... She, like, steps in to support him. She starts normalizing, like, why he might be feeling um, the way that he's been feeling. Like, why the thought about going to Rebecca's dad's funeral has led to some of the panic symptoms that he's having. Um, and he's having a lot of different emotions about his dad. Like, they're, they're, he also expresses a lot of anger. And Dr. Sharon and him process that as well. I actually think this session or this interaction between them is really, really powerful. And so I want to take a quick listen to um, after Ted has disclosed what happened to him. And and just to kind of add on that, not only did his father die by suicide, but Ted actually is the one who found him. Um, And so you can imagine that being like a really horrifically traumatic experience for anyone to go to, particularly a 16-year-old boy. Um, But let's let's take a listen to how Dr. Sharon responds and how they process um, Ted disclosing these memories. I'm sorry that happened to you, Ted. Yeah, me too. And I understand why you're angry with him. He took a lot away from you. And my mom. And your mom, yes. I'm curious about something. What was he like? He was a good man, you know. Real chatterbox, believe it or not. 
probably could have been a little bit better listening box at times. What did you love about him? Why? You told me what you hate about him. I'd love to hear something you remember that made you feel good. <laughs> when I was in fifth or sixth grade, there was this book called Johnny Tremaine. And our homework for like a month was to read this book. At the end of the month, I hadn't read a lick of it. And we had a test, big test, like the next day. And the night before, I was anxious as all heck, and I couldn't sleep. And my dad starts getting after me about that. And I start crying. And he's like, whoa, buddy, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I tell him what's up. And he says, hey, don't worry about it. Okay, just go up to your room, lay your head on your pillow, and think about something you're looking forward to. So that's what I did. Next morning, I wake up, and he says, hey, you ain't gonna ride your bike to school. I'm gonna drive you. I'm all right. And on the way to school, he talks me through the entire book, like it's a, a bedtime story or something. Because he stayed up all night, the whole night, reading the whole damn thing. Because he didn't want his little boy stressed out over some stupid, silly test. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting an A. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was a good dad. I don't think he knew that. I think he would have known how good he was and stuff he didn't really care about being good at. He, I don't think he would have done it. And I wish I would have told him. I wish I would have told him more. I was just so angry at him. Because he was always gone at work and just out with friends or something like that. And then he was gone. <laughs> and I knew right then and there that I was never going to let anybody get by me without understanding they might be hurting inside, you know? Life, it's hard. It's real hard. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. I don't know if this is illegal or something, but can I have a hug? Sure. This is a very impactful scene. I think a tearjerker moment for sure in the show. I think there are a lot of things also that the you know that Dr. Sharon does well. I think I what I really like is how initially she really is like validating or you know letting Ted know that she understands where he might be coming from, you know, about, you know, grief and especially this type of grief that um, Ted has experienced and is still going through is very complex. And I think she does a nice job of just saying, like, I understand why you're angry. You know, it seems like dad took a lot away from you. I understand why you're cu where you're coming from. Like, she's kind of just expressing that she gets his emotions. Um, but then she does a, a nice job kind of also asking questions and prefacing the questions because this is a sensitive topic that's difficult for Ted to talk about. And she even says, like, you know, I'm just curious. And can you talk about something that you loved about your dad? And I think she does a nice job of getting Ted to talk about his dad in a positive way, which it seems like is something he hasn't done in a long time mm -mm. because it is so painful for him. Yeah. And even though he has that anger about the way he lost his dad, um, you can tell that really the crux of it is that he loved his dad and he was close to his dad and his dad was important to him and now that relationship is gone. Um, so very heartbreaking scene. I think that people can really resonate with that. Like if you've had loss and 
Um, I think also what is really nice about it is we get a lot of insight too about Ted. Like he says, like really he has a regret because he feels like his dad maybe died without understanding how much Ted loved him. And so now Ted says he doesn't let people, you know, who he interacts with, like go away without like him sharing like how he feels about them. And we really see that in the, you know, modern day Ted. Um, so we can really see how this has impacted Ted in a lot of ways, both negatively and positively. And that it's a really great step for Ted that he was finally able to express this with Dr. Sharon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with everything you said, Dr. Sam. And I think this scene just really shows how powerful that validation can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like one of the number one like therapy skills that we learn, like as beginner, beginner therapists of like how powerful just like sitting there and telling someone that you understand how they feel like likely Dr. Sharon has not gone through the same situation that Ted has. So of course she can't like put herself exactly in his shoes, but she can understand like how he feels that way and normalize. Like it makes total sense why you would feel angry towards your dad or like it makes total sense or like we can understand those experiences. And that just seems very powerful and allows Ted to be able to regulate himself a bit and able be and be able to actually engage in those memories and engage with those emotions in a way that he hasn't been able to before. Yeah, I think it is a great scene. Like I, you know, I kind of forgotten, even though we like watched it and then we kind of refresh and then just even rewatching it just now, it's, you know, I feel like it really, um, it's a really well done scene by the actors and the characters. And I think they really just do a nice job throughout, you know, this kind of relationship with Ted and Dr. Sharon, but to kind of show the nuances of Ted and the nuances of Dr. Sharon, you know. Um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Fran and I, before we start recording, we're talking about just the portrayal of therapy in TV shows and movies. And oftentimes, you know, what makes for good TV shows and good movies is getting a better sense of the, the therapist character and getting to know a little bit more about their motivations and, like, their life. Um, unfortunately, like, in real life, that's not always the case, at least for, like, a patient and therapist or psychologist interaction because the, the main focus is on the individual coming in for therapy. And so we talked about before, there can be some self-disclosure, but not a lot, and it's always in the service of the person in therapy. So in TV shows and movies, it's this hard line to balance of like, you're showing us a lot about the therapist and that helps like the viewer enjoy the TV show. But really, you know, the character that's in therapy shouldn't also learn that information. Um, But what we see with Dr. Sharon and Ted is that those like nuanced things though, that help us to also understand and appreciate Dr. Sharon in a character. Those things are the things that allow Ted to finally like open up and to have this breakthrough. And it's a little bit more complicated and nuanced in real therapy, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. So we won't spend a ton of time on this, but we did want to just briefly talk just about the portrayal of Ted as an adult who has experienced a parental death by suicide. Because I actually think that what the show does well is portray like the complex, nuanced responses that someone could have in that situation. Um, so what research does show is that children often have a lot of different feelings um, following a parental death by suicide that they oftentimes might think are unacceptable. So we can imagine like 16-year-old Ted feels very angry with his father mm-hmm. um, for the way that he died and doesn't feel like he can express express that. So he has to kind of push it down. He has to deny it, um, how to block it out, and then just decides he doesn't want to think about his father at all because like Dr. Sam 
mentioned, those feelings associated with his dad become too painful because anytime he might think about something positive, it naturally comes along with those that anger or like we hear him say that regret or guilt or shame um, or self-blame and all those pieces. Um, so I just think that's an important piece to note that like that piece of how this is portrayed can be pretty common um, in the responses of, of children in this situation. Very true. I think it's important to highlight. And like we see in Ted, that can manifest or show up in different ways when someone is an adult, right? So we talked a little bit about with Ted, his avoidance, but also like kind of trying to be always very positive and now expressing his feelings um, in a positive way only, but his positive feelings to others and things of that nature. So I think it is, you know, a good thing to highlight and hopefully in the future something we can talk about a little bit more in depth. We do want to end our session today by talking about the way therapy ends between Dr. Sharon and Ted. So in therapy, we call this termination. And so a psychologist or a mental health, I know it sounds kind of like an intense word, um, but a psychologist or therapist (laughs) might terminate therapy when it becomes clear that the patient or the client no longer needs the service, maybe the client is ready to discharge and stop seeing the therapist, maybe the therapist feels like they've met their goals, oftentimes it's more collaborative, they've worked together to you know, decide like now is a good time, um, or sometimes the client or patient is likely no longer going to continue to benefit or is actually being harmed by continued services. So these are some instances in which we would you know, consider and then move forward with that termination or ending therapy. Yeah, and so in the context of Ted Lasso, it seems like the – I don't know if it's like the consultant contract or whatever the situation (laughs) might be has started to wrap up. And it happens that everyone on the team that Dr. Sharon has worked with is in a much better place than they were before. So it seems like a natural time to wrap up the therapeutic relationship. It's also the end of the season, so it just like Mm – makes sense for for the show for this to be the time that Dr. Sharon – Sports season and TV show season. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but I think unfortunately, this is where Dr. Sharon has his, her biggest therapeutic misstep. So instead of doing a traditional, what we call a termination session, where we actually like sit down, there's usually like we review progress, we talk about preparing for termination, making sure the client is ready. I mean, think about how hard it's been for Ted to open up and share all these things with Dr. Sharon. She's the first, if not the only person he's ever shared this information with. You would want some time to kind of process like what the ending of that relationship might look like. But instead, she ends up writing letters that she's going to give to everyone and decides to just leave unexpectedly without having that like wrap up session, which is just like, Actually, it's unethical in like our ethics code to to end the therapeutic relationship in this type of way, like very abruptly without any transition. Yes, it's unethical to do it without proper termination, without a plan, without the preparation that Dr. Fran was talking about. And even maybe like worse in this instance is like the whole team and the organization has planned like a party. They are going to like wrap (laughs) up with Dr. Sharon, like say goodbye to her. And the party comes and like Dr. Sharon isn't going like she's already left. And so when Ted finds out that she's already left without saying goodbye, without attending the party, you know, I'm thinking even as a consultant, there should have been some wrap up meeting like, okay, this is what we've worked on together, you know, something. But she just writes these letters that Dr. Friend mentioned and leaves. And so Ted finds out, he gets the letter and he's like, no, I'm not going to read this letter. And she is not just going to leave this way. So he actually confronts her about like her trying to just ghost him. You know, therapists should not just ghost people. That is definitely unethical. (laughs) Definitely not. Let's actually take a listen to when 
Ted does confront her because I think he's justifiably upset. Yes. But let's hear how it turns out. But Ted, you knew I was leaving. Yes, I did. But I thought I was at least going to get a chance to say goodbye to you. I mean, my wife left me. My dad left me. You, more than anyone in the world, knows how I feel when I get abandoned. And you just left. I wrote about that. It's all in the letter I left for you. The letter. The, the, okay. I mean, this, this right here, guess what? I'm not going to read your letter. Ever. Okay? You got something you want to say to me, just say it to my face. I thought we had a breakthrough. You did. You confronted things you... No, didn't... no, no. Not me. I'm talking about us. We did, Ted. Yeah. Thanks to you, I've learned that expressing my vulnerabilities can help my patients with theirs. You helped me become a better therapist. And that's saying something because I was already fucking brilliant. That's nice of you to say. And yet, you were going to leave without letting me know any of that. Ted, it's all in the letter. It's all in the letter. It's all in the letter. Okay, you know, fine. I'll read your stupid-ass letter. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You spelled favorite wrong. Yeah. Very good letter. Feel more comfortable writing goodbye than saying it. Sorry. It's okay. I understand. My train to Royston doesn't leave till midnight. Wanna grab a drink? I'm buying. Yeah, okay, that'd be nice, yeah. So Dr. Sharon has successfully evoked negative emotions in Ted. And then she, like we talked about, like tries to ghost him. And so he really is like angry with her. You know, he's using like curse words, which he doesn't usually do. Um, but one of the things that really hit me is he he very explicitly says, like, you know how abandonment feels. You know how it impacts me. And now, and you know everyone who's left me, my wife, my dad, and now you're doing this to me. You know, like, he's basically saying you are an important person and now you're trying to abandon me as well. So I really am glad that he advocates for himself and shares it in that way because it is not appropriate for her to just leave because it's hard for her to say goodbye. I'm also very surprised. Like, how long has she been in this profession? Does she never say goodbye to clients or patients? Because that just seems like a real problem. That's a good question. <laughs> that is a great point. Yeah, I agree. And again, this is a good example of even though what seems like Ted's like being very verbally aggressive or like lashing out is actually a very important piece of their relationship that Ted is able to confront Dr. Sharon and express how her actions are making him feel. Um, and it gives her the opportunity to express like, again, those vulnerabilities of like, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for me to say goodbye, which like I don't think is an excuse to unethically terminate with your client in any situation. Yeah. Um, something I do like that she says here is that something that Ted helped her learn. And that might actually be something that we do share in a termination session of like yeah. ways that we've grown as therapists and working mm -hmm. with the client of like, not only have like, I helped you hopefully, but you have helped me um, in this, that or another way. And I think that can be a really nice what thing to weave into that wrap up session. Um, but overall, just like not the, not a good way to try to wrap up the relationship, even though she, they like kind of remedy it and they like go get a beer after that's like, just not how you end therapy with someone. The only reason it's remedied is because Ted went to her. Ted sought her out. Yeah. He would have continued to have another negative example of abandonment at the hands of someone he trusted and confided if he hadn't sought her out and confronted her. So, you know, that's really unsettling to me. I mean, he really had to, like, advocate for himself. But, yes, he does so. And then Dr. Sharon is able to express how it's hard for her. And, you know, 
the ways that Ted helped her. And that really resonates with Ted because I think he's also glad that he helped her and that he's able to see like, okay, our relationship was equally important to her and they can actually say goodbye. But really, Dr. Sharon has done some good work in Ted Lasso world, but not ending on the best of notes. <laughs> Agreed. And something I'll add that you made me think of, Dr. Sam, is oftentimes, especially for people who have had experiences of abandonment or yes failed relationships that ended on really poor notes or lots of loss that we actually talk about explicitly as therapy as being a corrective experience where we can actually have a relationship end on a very positive note. And that's kind of like the opposite of what's happening or what could have happened here. Like, again, they're able to remedy it because Ted ends up chasing her down and finding her at her house. But um, again, like could have been a very damaging way to end this very important, impactful relationship that they had. A very big misstep from Dr. Sharon, I think here, you know, that could have had really like significant negative kind of consequences for for Ted. Um, of course, it's Ted Lasso. So it does end again back on a positive note. And Ted is very forgiving. Um, but I think that can bring us into our PH notes. This is not a safe place. Sorry, I... Are you going to, like, keep touching me like that? That guy is a total loon. But I cannot talk about my clients. I cannot talk about my clients. That's it. Great, great job, everybody. Thank you. Don't invite patients into your home after they pick you up from the hospital. Don't go out for beers with your patients. Don't write a letter and run away from your patients without properly terminating therapy. Yeah, don't ghost your patients. All right, Dr. Fran, we're wrapping it up with Ted Lasso and Dr. Sharon. So what were your overall impressions of, you know, kind of Ted Lasso and in particular this season two? I love this show. I was a little hesitant to watch it at first. I was like, I mean, I (laughs) I played soccer growing up, but I was still like, "Mm, this doesn't really feel like a show for me. But I think the writing and the acting is excellent. I think the storyline and just like the character development um, is very, very good. And it's just a show that like, up until this season where it started to get not dark, but just had more like nuance and more depth to it. It was just like the show you put on when you want to feel good because there's like, it's very humorous. The um, quality of the jokes are very good. It like makes you laugh and makes you smile because the characters are just so likable. What about you, Dr. Sam? I'll agree. I really like this show. The acting is great. And also like, I don't know if if a lot of you are familiar with a lot of the other like characters and actors on the show, but if you kind of look into their backgrounds, it's actually kind of amazing some of the people that they kind of, you know, kind of took a chance, quote unquote, took a chance on and gave the opportunity and now they're all winning awards and it's just like an amazing show. The writing is fantastic. I really love the characters. I enjoy it. I think it's well done. Um, You know, and also not like super unrealistic. Well, maybe an American football coach isn't going to go coach soccer in the UK, but I feel like a lot of the situations that we find the characters in overall pretty realistic. Um, so, yeah, I really love this show as well. I do have to ask Dr. Sam if you have a favorite character on Ted Lasso. <laughs> I do. My favorite characters are Roy Kent and Keeley. I tend – it's weird because in real life maybe – 
I don't know if this translates, but in comedies, I tend to always have a really soft spot for like the gruff kind of grumpy character that actually has like a really nice heart. And so I love Roy Kent. <laughs> I think he's hilarious. And I just love Keely too. Like I feel like Keely is super funny. She adds like a nice like um, kind of dimension to the cast and also like very motivated and a hard worker. So I would say they're my two favorite characters. What about you, Dr. Fran? Yeah, those are good. I, those were two that came to mind originally for me. Roy Kent, definitely, I absolutely love his character, <laughs> and he's just so funny, even though he's not trying to be necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one that comes to mind for me is Sam Obasanya. He is just like oh, I love the Sam. most like lovable, like likable, just like just like the the positive version of Ted Lasso without the like avoidance piece like he's just yeah. like genuinely <laughs> nice and kind and happy all the time and i just love his character Sam was a great, is a great character, and that's what I actually loved about season two is they they allowed us to get to know the other characters better, you know, not just Ted. Yeah. And so I really liked that development and hope that it continues in season three, and maybe it will, and we'll be able to bring it back to our couch and talk about some other, you know, topics. But on that note, what they're all, everyone is eager to hear, time for our DSM-5, Diagnosing Shows and Movies. So... How do you feel, Dr. Fran, with, like, the psychological portrayals, the therapy of Dr. Sharon? What would you rank it with one being a least accurate portrayal and five being uh, the most accurate portrayal? I'm curious. <laughs> I My gut says to go with the four because it's quite a bit better in terms of the psychology therapy portrayal than most movies we see out there. Like, I don't know if we'll ever find a five in terms of a therapy (laughs) portrayal. Um, But it gets pretty close with some ethical, questionable ethical things, especially the terminating of therapy, which, like, makes me not be able to give it a five. And then I would say, like, Ted's um, personality and responses to the traumatic events that he's been through, even though we didn't, like, fully get in a deep dive of, like, Ted's psychological picture, I think that was pretty accurate. So Mm -hmm. I would give it a four. What do you think? I know this one's so tough for me. I go back and forth. I will agree. Like if we think about like the portrayal of like Danny and the initial like what happens to him and we think about how they portrayed Ted and his profile and then Dr. Sharon, you know, yeah, I was going to say a three. She wants to give it a three. She wants to give it a three. But I think you convinced me to do a four. The only reason I was leaning towards a three is because I think my own um, ignorance. I'm not 100% sure about how accurately they portray the sports psychology piece of it. But that's like more of my fault than the show's. But then, you know, that's why we have to be careful because they don't always portray it the way it is. So that's why I was leaning towards a three and the ethical boundaries. But I do think that the therapy content and the way they show some of the things that characters are, you know, having difficulty with, I will go with a four. It was good. It was good. <laughs> if there's any sports psychologists out there who want to <laughs> let us know um, from your perspective how accurate this was, please reach out. Yes, and we'll reach out to some of our uh, colleagues or peers as well to find out. But I'd love to hear from listeners that are also sports psychologists. All right. Well, I think session is over for Ted Lasso. Um, Please check out our website. We talked about a lot of interesting content today. We have a lot of articles and clips to share, as well as glossary of new terms that we covered. We also want to hear your thoughts on Ted Lasso. Are you on the bandwagon of like, this is the best (laughs) show ever? Or do you have some question marks or not really a huge fan? We'd love to hear Um, that as well any questions you have about sports psychology, psychology in general, or suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like to hear us break down next. 
Find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pod, where we post our monthly Freudian Scripter Spotlight and other fun content. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget, you know, as we're now in 2022, we have some stickers that we will still share with you if you leave a review and let us know. As always, we appreciate those of you that have reviewed us and rated us and subscribed. And please continue listening. And as always, we're always open to feedback. So... Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, and webmaster, Don. Are you going to charge me for this session? Of course I am. Mm -hmm. For the house call. I appreciate your integrity.